from the apocalypse my son said he hates spring it's just rain and mud mm. this mm. is state of the game and i am your host dan o um i think it's fair to say that i've earned the title i am the zoidberg of this hip-hop blogosphere uh, <laughs> for the futurama people out there oh. um, and, and i'm joined every week um, my my faithful uh, co-host, uh, and you know, much like Ruben, check the rhyme one, Mrs. Josh Hart on the Lakers. Uh, but <laughs> yes, my co-host every week. I I, I had to throw it to you, Kay. I threw a question out there on Twitter. I said, which hip hop podcaster would clean up the best for the Met Gala? <laughs> I did not get any votes. I I did not get any votes. Um, but you did, Kay. You did. You, you were right up there. Oh wow! Early in there, thank people you. have faith. So, thank you, whoever. Shout out to whoever felt that way about me. I believe it was No God who put you out there. <laughs> get your fits off, Kay. Uh, so, I, <laughs> we are joined here by someone. Um, not just the Adrian Dantley of Passion of the Weiss here, but <laughs> also uh, crew. Someone I consider crew. You know what I mean? State of the game crew. Uh, you know, <laughs> you come at Sunra, you come at us. God damn it. Um, and so I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for um, having me. I was just, this is, it was a different feeling knowing you were coming, Sunra, but incredible producer. Um, great writer for Passion of the Weiss, but I was just happy and we were going to have so much fun talking about this music. Of course, um, it's always like, to me, that, that that's like the hangout session. It's like we get to talk about some records, and especially this time, you we chose a few where I was like really excited to talk about them. Before we keep going, though, you just put the idea in my head that we kind of have to send someone to the Met Gala next year and just ask people's opinions about the Billy Woods record or whatever comes out that year, just like ambush Lizzo and be like, so what do you think about maps? And just wait for a reaction. <laughs> Can we sneak dad bod rap pod into the Met Gala or something? And just have them <laughs> ask funny mm. questions to people. I think that would be fun. Or I can, Castro. I could see, I, I can see uh, Castro at the Met Gala. That sounds like a rap song title right there. <laughs> Castro at the Met Gala. Yeah. Castro yeah, yeah, that is a song. That is, that is, yeah. Shout that out Curly the... Castro. I met him for the first time in person this year. Uh, he came up with Prem and uh, they rocked it. So big shout out, oh. uh, whole hey, Shrapnel crew. If you have the yeah. chance to see Shrapnel live, please do. Uh, they are so good live. The Castro mm -hmm. is so great. They have such good chemistry on stage. Uh, yeah. And I, we, I'd start this by, by giving a shout out. I did offer. Uh, Rohan for the rap music plug. I offered him to pop in because one of the albums we're going to be talking about today, Raven by Kalila, I never would have fallen as deeply into it without Rohan's deep love mm. for Kalila. Um, mm. You know, I was like, all right, let me come back to this. Um, and so we, you know, he's busy. He's got a Billy Woods interview and he is putting himself through the ringer on research. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I that that's when I met Castro. I was opening up for them in Woods. And like in I feel interviewing him would be even more nerve-wracking than opening that show. Cause I'm there. It's like it's you know, you open a rap show, like people like it, people don't, like hopefully you make a few fans. But like talking to the man was like you're there, it's like, man, I'm gonna say something stupid and he's gonna look at me. But no, nah, I mean he was really he was actually a genuinely cool dude. Like meeting Billy Woods in person, like once you get over the fact that he has a face and you're just like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah, great stuff. And uh, so, yeah, the three albums we're talking about, because it's been a crowded 2023. A lot of great stuff came out here. We mm. picked Shadow Moses, an EP by Nicholas Craven and Shabo, Mike Shabo. Mike Shabo. Uh, and Raven by Kalila. Um uh, and glorious came by Black Thought, and yeah, and El Michael's affair. Um, yeah, we got to get. Can't forget up. them. They're yeah. a big part of that one. Oh yeah, <clears throat> we've got to talk about the differences there. And so, which should we should we not bury lead, the lead and just go Black Thought right off the bat, or should we? Of course, yeah, I'm good. I got my notes. What do you yeah, think? I like. Go ahead. I'm. I got a Black Thought story to start stuff with. Let's do it. And this is like, I, I can say this because it's still one of the more, my more funny, my funnier rap interactions online. I once said that I liked some Roots albums and not all of them. I said some, I literally, all I said was some were better than others. Didn't at Black Thought or anything. And, you know, that's honestly how I feel. Like you have like right. over 10 albums. Some are going to hit more than not. <laughs> he found me on Twitter, didn't add him or anything. He was like, I'll try harder next time. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm just there, like, going, like, you're on TV every night. You've won Grammys. You've toured. You have a festival. But then I, I, saw, I, I sat back and thought about it and was like, he takes his rapping that seriously that he will jump on Twitter to defend, you know, his record. And I was just there and I was like, you know what, man? I respect it. You take it. You know, you're keeping it 100. You're taking it that seriously. So, shout out to him. I'm still a fan. It was just one of those things where I was like, you have no idea how successful you are next to me right now to be jumping on Twitter and my <laughs> That's like, amazing. This is overkill, bro. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the kind of artist that Black Thought is, you know? Um, you know, it's like where I mean, like, he, he wants to compete against everyone and everything. You know? Let's talk mm -hmm. about it because Black Thought has haters, though. It's like there's the people that love Black Thought as an MC, totally on board with what he is. And then you don't have a lot of people that are kind of in between on him. You have people that think he raps in a really direct, straight ahead fashion. And they don't like that because that's not what they're in it for. They want maybe someone who's got like a, a more varied vocal tone or that's doing things a different way. But I think that on this album in particular in Glorious Game, like this was the Black Thought album that I've been waiting for since he announced, I rem I was around when he announced Masterpiece Theater, which was supposed to be his first solo album back in, I'm going to say 99, 2000. And apparently a lot, all the songs from that ended up on a bunch of Roots albums instead. But I wrote a piece about Glorious Game on Passion of the Weiss. And what I said is like, there's always been this nagging feeling about the last Black Thought solo album. And for me, Cheat Codes last year wasn't quite it, but this mm -hmm. one, like, really nailed it for me personally. Okay. 
how much more money would Black Thought make <clears throat> as a rapper if he had a trademark ad lib? If he was like, queso, queso, every time he finished a, a thought? Well, you gotta, I mean, because you're thinking about, like, you, you can put him next to a Jada Kiss, and Jada Kiss has this, like, squawk laugh. Like, you know, there, there were yeah, people yeah. that were lyrical that had that. <laughs> but, like, I, I think it's just, like, you know, you everyone, the grass is always greener on the other side. So you see, like, a guy like Jada, he he might want to get those like industry accolades because he's not on TV and he's not at the Grammys and he's not hanging out with Questlove. But then Black Thought was never on those DJ Clue tapes back in the day. So you feel there's always like a certain percentage of people who were around back then that wasn't into the Soul Quarian thing that maybe aren't giving him the respect he deserves. Oh, and, you know, artists like New York, New York. He wasn't a New York, New York guy. Also, Oh, that's fair. But he also was, I mean, even a, a Philly guy like a Beanie Siegel was kind of more aligned with the uh, with what was going on in the mixtapes at that point. Right. That's fair. No, it, it's, yeah, there was, we did, um, I did a full Roots Discography Exploration episode. Yeah. Um, with, it, I had these whole things where we would do somebody's, we would discuss somebody's full discography. It was a lot of friggin' work. Um, yeah. but we did the roots, and it was me and Zilla and Rob mm. from Next Move. That's a that's a perfect guy for it too. Like shout out Zilla, shout out Philly, and all that. It was an incredible conversation. A lot of people didn't listen to it, but um, it's it it one of the things that Zilla said that always struck me uh, was that well the problem was the roots were never cool. Hmm. Never for a minute. They were, they yeah, were you know what? It's true. They were not cool. And it's like I'm looking at it now, and I mean, this is less Black Thought and this is more Quest, but he's directing that Aristocats remake for Disney now. And like, I can't help but think, like, this was like the best possible timeline for him because he's always been nerdy. And now he gets to, like, you know, because it's basically, I'm sure, going to be a musical. That's why they must be getting him for it. It's got the jazz influence. I'm sure he's going to cut out that really awful kind of racist cat sequence that I totally forgot about until my girl showed it to me again last week. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. what the fuck did this come out? Like, I was like, oh, 1970, that's still bad. Like, Terrible. But, yeah, no, it, it's, the roots were never cool. It, it, like, if you think about 95, right? Who was cool? Raekwon was cool. Snoop was cool. Like Mob Deep, Tupac. Nobody was putting anybody from the roots in that conversation. So they existed without being cool. Like, even if you were thinking of conscious MCs, right? You wouldn't come to your mind. You'd think of Common, you'd think of Quali, right? You would think of like Black Thought always kind of existed between spaces. Um, I mean, Common was big. Common had that that lover man look to him. By the time yeah. like they came to things fall apart, and that was marketable. I, I was saying that Navy Blue is like the new Common. I don't mean that Ooh. as a shot. I mean Ooh. that kind of like he's on Def Jam. He can fit in that lane where he's you know he's emotional and he's he's a little more vulnerable than your average MC over soulful beats. Yeah, I mean, I always I always liked Black Thought. Like I was a I was a big Things Fall Apart fan when that one came out. And then I went back. And then there was a couple of albums. Like, I wasn't a big phrenology or tipping point kind of guy. 
And then when Jay had them on Def Jam, you could tell that Jay was protecting them and was like, do whatever you want, even if it's a tax write-off for us. Like, I'm going to let you do what you want. And those records are really good. I mean, you know, they might not have been commercial smashes, but uh, oh. the, I'm forgetting the names now, but the one that's kind of... Um, the the one that came after Dilla's passing is really good with the How I Got Over is my favorite. How I yeah, Got Over. How I Got Over. That's the one that has the... Um, the Joanna Newsom sample on it, and I love that song. And I was not a Joanna Newsom. I was like, ah, oh, who's this like Renaissance fair girl? Blah blah blah. And then the Roots kind of sampled her, and like it kind of forced me to reevaluate my opinion. I was like, all right, you know what? How I Got mm -hmm. Over is like is a beautiful yeah. like block party record about poverty. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so dope. Uh, I love that one. It, it's yeah, they got a lot of good stuff, uh, and they were always great. Like it was, they were great. It's just that they were never really cool. And part of that was, you know, if you watch old black and white movies, they did a great job of making the stars stars, right? They knew how to make Rita Hayworth look like a dream. They knew how to make, uh, you know, yeah, James Cagney look like a maniac. They knew how to do that stuff and may orient it around it. To me, this is the first black thought album with, with, Good, great production that orients around him. Mm -hmm. I would, I would tend to agree. I think one of the difference between uh, Gloria's Game and Cheat Codes last year. I don't want to get into the thought process. I don't know what they were thinking, but Cheat Codes had like a lot of those psychedelic flourishes. It's got like these guest verses, Rayquan's on there, and it almost feels to me like they're going into this idea. It's like, oh, people think. Black Thought just does one thing. So let's like put all this ornamentation around him to kind of distract mm -hmm. from that, which is not, you know, it, you know, it's a, it's a fair attempt to do that. It's fair, you know, it's a fair approach, but it didn't work. Whereas this one, Els Michaels Affair, they're, they're a soul band. They're a blues band. And they kind of know to just lay down a groove and mm -hmm. let Black Thought do his thing. And that's all you really want from a Black Thought project. Because before that, like, as a solo MC outside the roots, the thing that he was best known for was that Funk Master Flex freestyle. Like that was a moment that kind of elevated him for yep. pa past this first generation, past like all the roots fans that joined after that and the subsequent albums. But that was kind of a, a look that made the internet generation look at him. And he was just rhyming over some records. And this really has that feel. I mean, there's there's some songs that have like these little flourishes, like the opening has that great dance hall sample they know how to layer in little things like a little tribute to dilla with the time stretching and all that but generally yeah. speaking it's not that complicated and it's it works great because they just get out of his way and let him be him let, let black thought be black thought yeah i mean it's yeah there's a lot there's a lot to talk about in terms of of the album and and the progress that I think it shows because K, one of the things that I don't think people understand is that Black Thought is a young solo artist. Mm. Yes. yes. As, as I've always, like my greatest MCs all time list is about your solo albums. Group people are not a, uh, the group work is not on it. Q-Tip, 
is on it because of his solo work, right? Because of the Renaissance, because of all that stuff, not because of the group work. If if you're in a group with more than one MC, that's that's a different world. This is Andre discrimination. It's a different world than it is to be a soloist. And so when Push left Clips, he had mm. to put himself together, you know, mm. as a solo artist. And mm. that's what that's what Black Thought is having to do now. We talked to uh, John Morris, who had, who had interviewed Black Thought, and apparently when the freestyle hit, as you've noted, Six months later, streams of thought came. Yeah, he was like, "Oh shit, there's a need for this. I'll do this." Like, but that was kind of like, "Oh shit, I didn't know people wanted this." So he had to jumpstart his career from that uh, urgency. And it's also you have to figure out what works for you as a solo artist. Um, and yeah, he had those mixtapes that were after that were all good, but. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's one thing to do a mixtape. It's one thing to do a debut album. This one, it kind of felt where he was like, all right, I figured this out. Because it's not a huge departure from the roots, but Els Michaels Affair is a very different band. But, like, there isn't, you know, he's still rapping over a band. And I don't, you know, with all due respect to Stetsasonic, I don't think there's anyone better at that than Black Thought at this point. Because he's had to do it his whole life. And most people just, you know, they might hire a band on tour or whatever but it's not their their bread and butter like it is for thought oh that's such a good point that's such a great point uh so Kay, how did you feel about glorious game uh especially coming off of cheat codes i mean i really liked it um i think to, you know to piggyback off of his point this was one of the rap out few rap albums that i've heard recently where like the the rapper's voice is is the center and the focus uh, of the music. Um, you know, every single word, every syllable that Black Thought said, I could hear and understand clearly. And I and I and I think that that goes a long way in terms of rapping, uh, because there are a lot of albums that I mean they're they're very well produced, but I can't really clearly hear hear the rapper and understand what they're saying every word but with black thought as i said i could every i could understand every single syllable that he said yeah that's a and, really and, good point yo no good no i was gonna say that's a good point i'm what like one of my other favorite records this year is the the danny brown jpeg mafia joint which is very divisive i love the record for its energy mm -hmm. i have to look up the lyrics on uh, I have to Google the lyrics if I want to know what they're saying because it's mixed in that kind of almost bomb squatty but they're not Chuck D kind of way. Yeah. But yeah. for for Black Thought guy who as we were saying before doesn't have like he's the opposite of a Danny Brown in terms of like a vocal range. He's staying in his pocket the whole time. That's yeah. very really important that you know we're hearing his words and he's he you know beyond just flexing like an MC. He's kind of got this wizened veteran thing going now which is a really good look for him again, especially on like soul beats. Because if you say why shit on soul music, you're like, you're most of the way to at least a good record. Like that's, you know. Yeah. 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 No, he's this, this like, and I don't want to get negative on cheat codes because I like cheat codes. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Uh, 
but cheat codes, it was very important to Danger Mouse that he zigged when everyone thought he was going to zap, you know? Yes. Yeah. It was very important that he was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to mix it differently. I'm going to do something different than what you think, right? Um, and the problem was for me that they that became the personality of the album. Right. And it right. didn't have a lot more going for it. Like there are themes on it that, that are we covered in, in our Cheat Codes episode that are like incredible verses that that I think he's better explored on this album. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that, you know, that's one of those things where as a fan, you know, when you learn a little bit, like you realize like sometimes people just want to like, you know, treat rap like action figures, like, oh, I want this rapper to work with this producer and it's going to be the most amazing thing in the world. But it doesn't always work like that. There's chemistry. There's the moment. Like, I'm, you know, for the record, I am not saying anything negative about Danger Mouse as a producer. He's done some right. great records. I think the first Gnarls Barkley album, I actually have the the artwork on my wall over there because the artwork was cool. And I liked the record at the time it came out. Um, but that's like a very different record. Like, CeeLo was singing. It was like a psychedelic gospel record. And that's Danger Mouse's bag. Whereas sometimes a straight rap record, like that was a different fit for both of them. But they probably had to do that record to, you know, just to get to the next point, to the next thing they're going to do. Yep. Yeah. And I, so, they, like, I was talking to the expert, great producer, and he loves cheat codes. Um, and I think some people who love cheat codes feel attacked by the love that Gloria's Game is getting. <laughs> um, but it's, to me... I'm not shitting on Danger Mouse, right? Like, I love what Al Michaels Affair did. Um, and I'll, I'll get into why, but I think this is a better written album. Mm. I think he's I think he's a better rapper on this album than he was on Chief. Yes. I mean, he's also rapping more again. It's That's one of those things that no matter how good <laughs> a rapper you are, if you're not exercising those muscles, unless you're a very rare exception, like if you're an Andre 3000 or a J Electronica type, you can probably climb down from your mountain rap once every five years and people will lose their minds. But that's just, you know, a quirk of, of their style and their writing. You know, Black Thought, if he writes all these EPs and he writes an album last year and he puts out another album this year, you're going to get better. The more you write, the better you get. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's... He now has full freedom to explore things as he wishes, right? Like he doesn't have to fit into Questlove's design at this point, which no, I think has allowed him to become his own, like to to really start fleshing out what he wants to do. And he's already paid because, well, probably not now with the writers' strike, but he's on TV <laughs> every night and. You know, if you're getting that NBC check, you don't feel the need to make a radio joint if you don't want to. And that was never his lane in particular. So he's probably there. He's, you know, you do the Funk Flex freestyle. You realize that you have this other audience that's just waiting for you to rap. And, you know, you position yourself and you figure out how to make that happen in a way that works for you, works for the audience. And, you know, everybody's happy. And I think, you know, I think he nailed it this time. I think the Ellis Michaels affair as a band was a really inspired choice because 
they do retro in a way that's it doesn't feel like tacked on. It feels oh, like they really yeah. know what they're doing. And that's as as someone who produces, that's not necessarily easy. I know that they're using like actual hardware preamps and they've got the real studio set up to make it sound like it needs to sound as opposed to, you know, maybe just putting a retro plugin on it or whatever, whatever. And it sounds close, but not quite like it has, they went that extra mile to make this record sound like what it needed to sound, which is to say like a soul record, but also kind of boom bap, but also kind of modern. And, you know, I admire it from that point of view because, you know, you can tell they put the work in to get all the little details sounding right without it being overly light like, without adding too many flourishes yeah yeah no it, it's i i think you know so hey what do you think this album does differently that that works in its favor um well you know i think the mix is one one element i think the 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 tempo that they chose for the songs is very uh smooth is not the word it's like very it's very laid back and it goes at its own at its own pace you know and i and i think that it does like they do a good job like the music feels like it's supporting quest not quest, i almost say quest up the, <laughs> the music feels like it's supporting black thought as opposed to black thought supporting the music yeah yeah and when you hear it when you hear the title track, you're like, "Oh, this is the coolest Black Thought has ever sound." Yeah, like yeah. He, he's like, "This is his vibe." Like, I think there was a bonus thing where I was talking to Love Ulysses, and I was talking about how I realized that your coolness doesn't age. Like, you, because I was talking about Magic Johnson. Magic mm. Johnson is cool, but he's not cool now. He's still like. 80s cool you know he's still that he's still cool in mm. that way um and black thought is born in 1971 this is very 70s baby cool yeah mm -hmm. like this is like if you're 19 year old you could spit over these beats that would be fine but you wouldn't sound as comfortable as thought does on these mm. I think Great. I think he's grown into his cool too because you see pictures of Black Thought now he's rocking suits. Yep, they're like tailored. They're all like you know they're not off the rack. Like I could see Thought like as an anxious you know he's hanging out with Questlove who's always been like a self avowed nerd. Yeah, and like Black Thought like you know you read Questlove's bio it made him sound like yeah he was the tough kid but he knew I was into music and he wanted to make music so we became friends right. that way. So, you know, he's, he had this hard rock thing when you're young, but, like, you know, you I don't know how old Black Thought is, is now, 71, 81, 91, do that. Yeah, he's, like, oh, you know, over 40 or whatnot. And, you you know, if you're lucky, you become more comfortable. Like, I look at myself when I'm 17, you know, rocking my, you know, rocking my fat farm and whatever, and I look at myself now, I think I'm, you know, I'm better off now. There's a, there's a line from one to the other. Yep. But... You know, maturity suits some people. I don't know. Hopefully it suits me, but I know it suits Black Thought is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at, like, all the great, like, these relationships to go nerd on you. Like, Stan Lee was always the charismatic one. Jack Kirby was always behind doing the yeah. work, right? And, like, in the same way, 
uh, Questlove has always been the outgoing one. He's always been the talkative one. Uh, and, you know, the self-avowed nerd, but extrovert Black Thought was always kind of in the background playing his position. Uh, Which is unusual in a rap group that the MC isn't the one stepping up front. And I think that, you know, we're going back to why the Roots had the audience they did, and maybe they didn't have that sense of cool in the 90s. I think right. that might have played against them at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't make the star the star, right? And like that is, and I think that's what this album does. Um, <laughs> and boy, I love the first song. I love <laughs> Grateful. Um, it's yeah. a great dance hall sample. The one-two punch of Grateful and then the title track, like that's a really strong opening to numbers. He, he, I just love I love I love how Black Thought says words, and I love the words he chooses. Like yeah. I I was walking around saying "dirty young caballeros" for like a week and a half. Uh, <laughs> it just it's like, but how he said it, you know, "dirty young caballeros," definitely like breaking it, <laughs> breaking it into pieces. Uh, it's it's so cool, and it's such a great opener. Um, and and I love that there's a reprise of "Glorious Game" mm -hmm. that's like shorter. And tighter, it's it's. I love it. I I think this. I'm glad that it's on Big Crown Records. Um, glad that this is like the instruments feel right with you on this. Yeah. There's like <laughs> Protocol almost sounds like a Tiny Desk album kind of thing, but clean up. But it's got that kind of live in the studio feel where like the band is. is I mean, I don't know if they record how they recorded it, but it it gels really well. Yep. Yeah, it feels closer to like Duran Jones and the indications, kind of where you can feel the instruments. Yeah. The song. Uh, oh man, I I, I think uh, there's two songs that I would vote for in 2023 that are my favorite ending of a song. Okay. Uh, and that is Alaska Adams, George Lucas, and I'm still somehow. Okay. Um, I'm still somehow oof. Uh, um, yeah, I love that. That's a dope one too. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, one of the ones that I wrote that that stood out to me was uh, the weather on uh, on this one. Like, I just like the it kind of goes in with what you're saying about him being a '70s baby, reminiscing on that time in Philly. Music he's rapping over sounds like a, a golden oldie kind of thing, like you hear in a jukebox or whatnot. And that was like that to me was always like it brings you back. Like I like that the roots push things in all kinds of different directions, but there was always this idea that like, but Black Thought sounds good over like jazz and soul and this kind of live band thing. And this kind of just like it gave us a full thirty minutes of that chamber, and I think it's going to go down like as one of his you know a, a favorite of his fans for that reason it, it does satisfy like an itch that you know the, the roots scratched it a little bit but they always wanted to do more and that's you know to their credit but it's cool that we finally have this and now i just feel like i just want to hear black thought do whatever he wants to do now he's like he slayed that dragon <laughs> yeah no he, he, i mean Kay, i have a rant about the weather if you want to hear it go ahead all right so, one of the important... My, my mom pretends that she doesn't know about art, and I let her, because it makes her feel good. 
But when she, uh, when I was growing up, she was always showing me this poem quite early one morning by Dylan Thomas. Uh, and it's a dope poem, but it's it's really about like kind of surveying the landscape of this place, this town. You know? So you get lines like, you know, someone was snoring in one house. I counted 10 savage and indignant grunts and groans like those of a pig in a model and mudless farm. And it just kind of pans around to the different places in the town quite early one morning. Uh, and it was really instrumental for me in learning how to write details, right? Um, and when I heard the weather for like the eighth time, I was like, shit, this is his quite early one morning. Like, it's like, it kind of goes in these places where it's like, this crew thinks they're dope too. We're going to go at them. And then the smash cut, you know, there's yeah. broken TVs and there's, you know, it, it, it smash cuts through the neighborhood in these different areas and these different tangible images. Um, mm. And I, in a way that's just beautiful and lived in. Um, and I think, I, I, I think it's the best solo Black Thought song we've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. I, I think he showed a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say he was more vulnerable, this album, but I felt like he was a lot more relatable. Mm. Uh, I mean, I thought he did a great job. Uh, I don't know. I, and maybe this is something you guys can touch upon. But it, it felt like a cohesive project. And I, and I think that there were themes that he touched upon. There was, there was like themes of the album that he touched upon in each song that really made it cohesive in a way. I'd agree with that. It's, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that like I, I dissected every line because that's just like... I feel that the older I get, the more I go on vibe with records, which, yeah, which, you know, which is something, but just what we're saying, like that childhood in Philly kind of thing that, you know, it, it's reflected through the music being kind of these like soul oldies kind of thing. Right. It has that cohesive feel both in what he's saying and in, you know, how it's presented both in, both in his rhyme scheme and musically. Like there was, um, what was the joint? I wrote it down. Um, like alone. <laughs> That one with the breakbeat and the vocal sample, that felt yes. like really Marley Mall to me, yeah. like calling back to that era of hip hop, which would have been like, you know, that's why he said he was growing up and his biggest influence is like that cool G-Rap, Kane, the whole Juice Crew kind of era. Yeah, because I mean, there, there, there are a lot of albums where like the songs individually mm. are good, are like they're really great out, great songs individually. But they don't add up to something cohesive, uh, where like I take something away from it when I'm done. Once the album's done, but I felt like like with this album, like as I said, it was very cohesive. I felt like there were themes that you know played played throughout the album. You know, it almost felt like he was like reminiscing. Like it was it was like you said, he was like a you know a, a chiseled OG, and he was just reminiscing on what he's been through in the past, you know, couple of years. For sure. And, and I would say, like, that was ultimately what I said to the expert was, <clears throat> I love, Glorious Game means more to me because 
that than any other solo Black Thought. I'm not even just G-Codes. All of them. Rap them all. <laughs> they don't mean as much to me as this album because I know what it means. <laughs> I know what it means. It means something real, you know? Uh, it, it, to Okay, let me read you the first couple bars of the second verse of That Girl. You ready? Mm-hmm. There? Yeah, I'm here. So, yeah, Um, some nights I lay awake and feel all of my thoughts running. I tally my regrets, upsets, and shortcomings. What have I been taught from them? Some souls are sutured. And when you support someone, you invest in the future. Mm. That's not just bars, you know. Um, That's not, you know. So I, I would say... This is an album that specifically, to me, Glorious Game means this has been a very hard, ugly life with a lot of beauty in it. Mm. Uh, and so that that's important. It kind of, I mean, maybe it's because it's playoff season, but it made me think of basketball too and all the history in Philly. The rap game as well, which yep. is like, you know, tremendous ups and downs if you've been in the music industry for any amount of time. And yeah, what you're saying, like from the life angle as well, it all kind of comes like that kind of assists with what you're saying, Kay. It's got a theme, but like it's not like it's like, oh, this is an album that's just about this. It's like it works on right. whatever level you want to take it. And that right. ambiguity like serves it well, in my opinion. Yes. Beautiful cover. Oh, my God. I can oh, just yeah. stare at the cover. Um, but yes, no, you're, there was, I've always said summer off through, there should be three levels of engagement in your project, right? The first is just surface level, right? If the shit knocks, then cool. You know, on the second level, you know, Hey, you know, this is, you're bringing me to moments. That's cool. You know, like you're putting me in images, you're putting me places. You're saying interesting words in interesting orders. You know, I'm into it. Um, I respect this. This is a thing. And then the third is deeper meanings, right? That's the, the Billy Woods level, right? Where you're like busting out your Britannica for it. Um, <laughs> but you shouldn't have to go to level three if you don't yeah, want yeah. to in order to it like depends. it. There's some artists you don't necessarily want them to go to level three. Like I'm not trying to get that necessarily from Amigo. I love Amigos record, but you know, if Migos tomorrow were to start, like, like you know who did that? Like, it was, like, on T.I.'s records when he started using $5 words all the time. And I was like, that's not entirely necessary to what you're doing. I mean, it yeah. kind of worked with him for a while, but, you know. But in terms of, of that depth, I, it's also because we see we know Black Thought so much as that guy who rips mics. Like, he, his biggest songs are, like, the Dynamites, that Funk Flex freestyle, yep, yep. Um, Thought at Work. So to have him in that laid back reflective mode where it's more about what he's saying and not just about like how each syllable is landing and the breath control and the flawlessness of the technique, you know, it works. And I don't think that it's something that we all necessarily expected from him um, at this point. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm into it. And I think, um, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was... Yeah, just genuinely happy. There's there's no song on here I would take off, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it's... 
I feel good about this as a, I feel good about song lengths, right? I, I don't really have any arguments about this. 12 songs. Uh, the longest one is four minutes, you know? Shout uh, out the 30 minute rap album. That's a perfect format for me. I love 30 to 45 minutes is like the sweet spot. That's like the perfect amount of music for me. And it, it forces you to be disciplined. I say this as someone who's put out records that are longer than that. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, I couldn't take anything off. But as a listener, you know, everything can fit in 30 minutes that you've got to say, like most of the time. Like that was vinyl records back in the day. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know how I, like this structure is my sweet spot because some 30 minute rap albums are 30 tracks. Mm. And I'm like, geez, man, I don't know, man. You're going to give me 31 minute joints and I'm going to be like, oh, I love this over, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, this format feels good. We, these, like Kay has said a while ago, some songs don't feel finished. They don't feel done. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like these songs are done when they're over. Yeah. 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 Cause it's not content. He's not, you know, this is an album. This isn't a mixtape that he's putting out or this isn't, you know, someone who, who feels the need to drop five more albums this year to keep his name hot. Right. Which, you know, I could appreciate as well. Like, you know, there are some, you know, I remember that year Flea Lord dropped like a hundred albums and like, maybe I didn't check all of them, but I liked some of them. Yep. Yeah. Like I got, you know, I started paying attention. Shout out him. He's got a, a good one with uh crisis, but not with a K crisis just written the normal way. And I like that. Oh, one okay. Week, so. Gotcha. Okay, so Kay, how do you feel about uh, any of these songs? Too short, too long? What do you think about runs on this? What, what is your favorite? I mean, one? I loved, I loved the uh, the whole second half. I thought, uh, for me, the change was really uh, that girl. Um, Ooh, that girl. I think, I think from that on, that moment on, it was, a, it was a more, uh, it was a more introspective. Uh, Black Thought, and as I said, I've never, I've never heard Black Thought being that vulnerable before. Uh, you know, in terms of like what when I think of Black Thought, I think of the roots. Like I think of, you know, uh, what's the song? You got me, break you off, like things like that, where you know he's playing. It almost felt like he was playing like a character in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not a knock on him. Um. But you know when that girl, when that girl came on, you could tell that that was a really heartfelt song that he wrote for someone that he really cared and loved about, who who he really cared about and loved. And I, I think from that point on, that girl, I would never alone miracle. And then I loved Alter Ego. I thought that that was a great, that was a great song to end it on. I would and and I would say this album kind of left me really excited for what he'll do next. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like, like, you know, sometimes, you know, if you listen to the Nas and Hip Boy albums, they feel like they're kind of running on very little steam, you know? Uh, that there isn't much more to explore here uh, within the fabric of, of their themes. Whereas... I feel like Black Thoughts just started pulling open this new 
you know, chest of, of ideas. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm into it. It goes back to what you're saying. You're saying you feel good about this album. Like, that's something that I feel we've been circling around. It's like, you want to see Black Thought have this win. It's not like, you know, he's always been stand up. You know, Twitter attacks not, not included. But no, but he's always he's always been like a stand up kind of guy. He didn't always get the entertainment industry looks because he's obviously a little bit more in the cut. He's not the person who's, you know, all up on social media and all that. Like, you know, in every Instagram photo or whatever. And for him to make just good music that connects, it's you know, it's it's a nice thing because it's not every MC that gets that opportunity kind of this late in their career. So to see him like see that opportunity and knock it out the park, like you know, as a fan of hip hop, I'm just really happy that that we get this album. And he also wasn't the kind of MC other MCs wanted to rap with. No, because like, it's scary, man. Like you don't want to go next to Black Thought. Like that's the dude who like rapped bar for bar with Pun. You know, like it's just mm. not. You know, it's not a good lube. It's not a good deal. You know. That that plugs I met with Benny, he had a killer verse on there, and Benny actually went toe to toe with him. And I was like, "Oh man, I re for you to invite him on your record and to put him on this beat, which was another soul beat that kind of, I think they sampled um, a high records joint. Rest in peace to DJ Shea. I think yep. he made that beat. Um, so that so to invite Black Thought and then have it be at his tempo, that was one of you know that's a kind of like it, it it marks you as a level in an MC." Because it's not everyone who's going to do that. Yeah, and not not everyone's going to, you know, not everyone's going to even want to do that, you know? Like, uh, Jay never rapped with Black Thought, did he? I don't think he did. Because he was close with he was close with Quest. He's always been, but I don't think there's a... He said he wanted a rhyme like Common Sense. You never heard him say, I want to rhyme with Black Thought. <laughs> never going to happen. Never going to happen. Uh, so that, but, but, yeah, Glorious Game is something that... It's like rich tapestry. I get more from it every time I listen. So, uh, yeah. Strong agree. So let's let's do Shadow Moses. Shabo! Alright, Montreal represent. This is... Uh, Canada. This, these two young men are from my hometown of Montreal. Uh, I've not met Shab. Uh, I'm not out like that. But I have met Nicholas Craven a couple of times. Uh, upstanding guy. Uh, found out recently through Rohan, who we mentioned earlier, that he's like, there's some, he's got some haters on the internet. Like, oh, he's yeah, outspoken. I, I did not, like, I don't allow any negativity towards anybody on my, on my Twitter. I just, I'm like quick with the mute button because I don't have time for that shit in my life. I don't keep that energy around me. So this was complete news to me because I'm like, oh, cool. He makes beats. He's from my hometown. He's working with like all these artists I like to me. It's like, I would never want, you know, especially, like when you're in a town that doesn't have kind of that reputation when you're not from a New York and LA, a, a Detroit or whatnot, you know, there's this crab in a bucket kind of thing. And I never wanted to see a dope producer and be that guy who hated on him. So like, you know, when I started seeing Craven on Billy Woods and on Mock Homie records, which are like, those are some of my favorite artists right now. I was just like, man, he's, you know, he's killing it. So to have him link up with Shaq, his own movement at the time you know i was very excited for this record the my only problem with it was it's 17 minutes long and i really wanted a full record out of this one yeah i mean it it really sucks to be popular because you hate stuff like then you have to do the stephen a smith thing where you get really pumped up to hate the cowboys every day like, 
I don't have that energy. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I'll hate on Jack Harlow all day. There's some people that I do not approve of and will say so loudly, but not so. I mean, we're, I, I feel we're really blessed because I remember when quote unquote underground rap, East Coast based underground rap was like in a slump. Yeah. And I would, I would kill for like one rock Marciano album a year. So yeah. to see like, like Craven, especially he, he's a good businessman. I spoke to him a little bit. And he knows how to keep the music coming out, how to have it come out on vinyl. Like he also did stuff with uh, his Boldy James record last year was really a knockout for me. I mean, it's hard to make a bad record with Boldy James, but you know that 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 album cover with the maple that was a maple syrup can, but with lean. That's like a classic. To Amazing. Me, so. Yeah, I mean, this was yeah went through some lean years where the East Coast was surviving off of True Life mixtapes, but. Uh, we are we're in a better place now. Uh, Craven, Kay, you might not be up on the Nicholas Craven hate. Can I give you the Nicholas Craven hate? Sure. Yeah, I man. Know, <laughs> I know it's a very intelligent Nicholas Craven uh, enthusiast. It's a very intelligent Nicholas Craven haters. So mm. I can give both sides of the story. Craven is Craven is a a Loop Hunter. Right. Uh, that is what Craven is. Craven doesn't do heavy drums, which is usually like the calling card of, of like all of our favorite rap producers, right? Primo and all these guys that are like, my drums are insane. His drums don't exist. Uh, right. And, and so the argument, the anti Craven argument is all right, you found a loop. What else do you do though? I mean, yeah. I, I'll respond to that as a producer. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, he found the loop, and then he got the right rapper over it, and he got the sound out. That's, you know, that's the actual hard part, is to make the song. Like, at the end of the day, you know, especially, especially nowadays, like, I put drums over songs all the time. It's not hard to put a breakbeat on a song. We're not in the Marley Marley. We're not on the SB12 casio sx keyboard with one second of sample time like finding the loops one thing putting the drums on another thing but ending up with you know all these songs like um you know like like uh basquiat or or play for keeps all these to kind of find the artist develop it figure out what songs to put out on the project that's the real production part um as far as the drumless stuff personally it's like i love you know, I've been loving that shit when Rock Marciano and, and Alchemist was doing it. So I don't I don't know why my opinion would change on that one. Like Yeah, I know, no, he's, I mean yeah. my my response to, to this stuff is one of the cool parts about rap music, Kay, is that it doesn't give a fuck about your intellectual arguments, right? Right. So you can say <laughs> it's just a loop, he's just a loop punter. But then you put fair exchange, no robbery on, and the shit knocks, right? You put you put on the crate the the ransom EPs, and they knock, and you're like, and, oh shit, you know. And in the history of rap music, how many times have people who didn't get it say that's not music or that's not that's like, oh, they're just they're just looping records or oh, that's just keyboard beats, and that's like, oh, that's just a loop. It's like, nah, you're just mad that this guy was clever enough. To do it to do it in a way that works. 
And I mean, to be honest, like I love a lot of people whose drums knock. Shout out Mighty Healthy, king of the drums right now. Like, you know, I like all kinds of music. To me, this just works. And and, and it's to have the confidence to kind of block out that hate and just do what you're going to do. And granted, it's a little more, you know, it's more acceptable to do it now than it was when Marcy started. But if you're saying he's got all these haters, clearly it's not that accepted. So... I mean, it's it, so that's the thing is that like, if if you accept Nicholas Craven as the loop hunter, when he finds the right loop, that shit's great. Like, you know, a great loop is a great thing. Um, and so he's he hits, and and Shadow Moses has some of those moments where you're like, oh, this is this is good. Uh, Man, we have good. I was going to say, it's the other side of this for me personally is Shab as an MC is really, really interesting because you can't put him like in a specific camp because, um, you know, he's obviously coming with that post Marcy, post Griselda style, but there's a lot of, he's young and like he listens to trap flows and there's a lot of Joel Santana in his rap dna there's a lot of like french montana and how he vocalizes yep. and that to me is so interesting because you know there's the same way that we're talking about black thought he has this wise and elder position there's things you can rap about when you're over 40 that maybe you can't rap about when you're young but there's stuff that you can rap about when you're young that you can't keep rapping about when you're over 40 from the same perspective mm-hmm. and this record shadow moses like i'm hearing a lot of what's going on in Montreal right now in, in the record. Like he's talking about his friends that have passed away. Like he's never, you know, a lot of it is like a little oblique how it happened, but like, you know, we've had a pretty bad crime spree since the pandemic started. And it's a lot of young black men that are being affected by it. So to hear yep. someone be able to voice that is, I would say it's, it's important to me. And like the skits where you're just hearing this Quebec French Yep, that's yep. really meaningful because if you look at the situation in the city, all the old politicians, they want to make it like a language debate thing here where it's like, oh, French needs to be protected and you can't have people learning these different, you know, different languages. And if you got immigrants coming in, they got to learn the language or be from a country. So for me to hear an English language rap album with all these skits, they're just using local French slang, kind of mixing the two languages. That's how people talk here the same way that you know people in new orleans would have had like that that juvenile lil wayne kind of talk back in the day or the same way that bun b and pimp c had that port arthur kind of drawl to them and whatnot and you know it's for me growing up like i speak both languages it's always been kind of like to stay on one side or not or it's like you feel like ah we don't have a cool accent or whatnot so to see someone do that and make it sound cool like, I was like, oh, my God, this kid is doing it. So I'm like a big supporter from that perspective of just like yep. talking the way that we talk and showing it to the world in a way that like we always knew that what we had was, you know, cool for us. But we didn't always have a way to kind of shine a light on it. Like all of our biggest hip hop names in Montreal were like either DJs or producers. You'd have like a kid koala, amazing turntablist, DJ a track amazing scratch dj who went and did edm stuff and worked with kanye uh lunas amazing 
beat maker, like kind of combining hip hop and trap with electronic music. Kate who's going to have the record with uh, Amine that's coming right, out right. again, more dance. But that, that maybe that's why I'm big on what Craven and Shab are doing because like Craven's a beat maker, call it a loop finder or whatever, but he makes rap beats. Yep. And Shab raps. And like there's no combining it with anything else. It's like it's uncut East yep. Coast style hip hop. Never yep. really been able to get it out to the world. And I feel that's like a similar, you know, that's why a lot of people here kind of fuck with Griselda because it's that same idea of a city that always had love for hip hop. But, you know, there's no A&R. There's no record industry, at least in that style of music. We were, you know, we were stuck with the Arcade Fire and that sucked. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, did, how did this stuff hit you, Kay? I was excited to make you listen to this. Um, I, I thought the production was great, but I, I thought for me, there was no cohesion. Like, I, I, mm -hmm. I thought that the songs were good individually. <laughs> But there was no, but when, when I was finished listening with it, I didn't really feel anything. Um, because yeah, yeah. I didn't think there was any, like I said, with, you know, with Black Thought, there was like a unifying, there were themes that were going throughout the album that kind of unified and co made the made the project cohesive. And that, I didn't really feel that cohesion with, with this project. I love sending you from Black Thought to Mike Schaub. Like so yeah. <laughs> every every time Mike Schaub raps, it he delivers it with the energy you deliver like a punch in. Mm -hmm. Like he's just he's got big punch in energy uh with with everything he says. Um and it it's you know, the kinetic energy is incredible. Yeah. But one of the things I've noticed about Shab, because I've listened to a lot of Shab, right? I've listened to a lot of Shab, the suicide and the whole clean world. I, you know, I, I've paid my money for it. So um, Shab takes a little bit to warm up. Mm. Shab is not like – Shab is, an, is a spitter, not like an artist at this point. And that's yeah, okay. that, you know, no, that you know what that that at his age, man, I I see what you're saying because that makes sense, and that kind of goes to what I was saying about like there's some ways that you can rhyme when you're young that maybe you can't rhyme when you're a little older, and I I mean I, I one of the things that I like about Boclean World, which you bring up, like that's a a better, more complete album for sure because it's it's self-produced and it's longer, and he's saying what he yep. you know what he's got to say. I would agree with with Cam's point that this is a collection of songs. It's a collection yeah. of songs I really like. And I, you know, this is going to sound like a cop-out because it's like, how many people are going to really get it? But those skits in between, which are just like random Quebec rip, that does add to the cohesion. Mm. But I'm I'm kind of wondering what they want to, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to uh, to speak to them on this one. Um, shout out to uh, Louis... Wait, I got his I got his name right right down. I don't want to mess up my man's name. Uh Louis Pavlikos, who's a, a cool blogger that people should follow out. He interviewed Shab and Craven for um Complex and they kind of broke it down and they made it sound like they're working together, but also like Craven's like, no one rhymes better on Shab. Shab doesn't rhyme better on anyone's beats than his own beats. He's like, that's where his the deeper level of his artistry is. 
where this one was more like they made some songs they chose these ones it's like it feels more like okay let me introduce you to this guy if you didn't see his solo project mm. and Shab is an incredible producer Kay. uh if you ever get a chance to listen to the that chung that last chung album mm. is incredible um and he produced a bunch on there and Oakland world like he yeah Shab's beats are great and fit him really well um and and the warm to my warming up point right if you ask me the best songs on this project shadow moses i go four five six mm. save the joker basquiat respectfully that's interesting i think i might do uh i think i might do all the greatness play for keeps and yeah, either Basquiat or shit or save the Joker. I like Basquiat a lot, just because it's got like that dark feel. It sounds like it sounds like being this far up north in the winter. It sounds like a cold winter day where you can't really leave the house and you're just stuck inside cooking up whatever you're cooking up. But ha but it, but Kay, if you view it through that prism of like, this is something you order off the appetizer menu, mm. like, and like as a as a platter uh i think i think it hits as that you know yeah maybe maybe the contact i i we listened to it again in another contact with another contact but yeah i mean it was just you know it was just a victim of the fact that the the other two projects that it, this was sandwiched in but in between were just very cohesive to me fair uh and yeah. so you know like there, I, th I think that there's a way to have a collection of songs, but yet <laughs> still figure out a way to like unify them in some way. And that and that, that's will. up to the arts. Like, I mean, I'm just sitting here talking about it, but like an artist has to figure out a way to to make them like figure out what the glue or the mortar is that's like holding the songs or the bricks together. Yeah, it's legit. There is stages of being an MC, right? Mm -hmm. And I just say this as someone who, you know, re reviewed mixtapes for a thousand fucking years and watched people, <laughs> you know, watched Mac Miller go from a punk kid everybody hated to, you know, um, you know, considered one of the best. So I would say um, there's stages. The early stage is I'm wrapping my face up. I'm going to show you who I am, right? How many mixtapes back in the back in the Dat Piff days, Sun Ra, were just called "Who the fuck is?" And yeah. then you're right. Like it was like, let me show you who I am. And I think Shab is at nearly the end of that stage. And at the next stage is when you start really examining what you start you wake up one day and you're like holy shit this is like a book i can make this about anything mm. you know i think it'll be interesting to see where he goes because there's definitely like a, a lane for him in the underground with griselda i don't know at the same time i i when i hear someone who can do that double time flow I'm there and I'm like, you can always go bigger. Like, I'm wondering, like, if he could combine, like, the beat making he does with, like, a drill 
sub base and then like not lose himself in that but elevate it to a different level because there's a lot of possibilities where you can go from it like at the same time it's it, it, it's cool to have it's also cool to have another mc because like the year previously we had uh skyfall blow up here yeah. and start and start working and that's like a very different lane that's closer to a uk lane closer to what drake was doing in toronto like that caribbean flex to it so i'm i'm still i'm still interested and invested in the idea that there's a montreal style to be found out of all these influences because you have different people picking up on different elements in the same way that like you know you take a look at a chicago where you had the do or dies but then you had the commons you had the twista but you have Lu lupe fiasco kind of thing yep my my last point on this Shab EP, the Shadow Moses EP, if you were to ask me, Kay, why should I pay attention to Mike Shab? My argument is very simple. Uh, that Shab is water and can fill whatever container is given. <laughs> Shab's flow is very durable. You know how you feel like, I don't know what this is about. Is because Shab's rhyming style is so free. Yeah. It's so free and it fills so much space um, that that's a hell of an advantage as you grow older and, and get better and try new things. Um, some people are limited in what they can do. And because of those limitations, they end up having to stay Vector. You know, he doesn't have to. He's got all kinds of potential growth space that he can fill. And as I said, I he's got these are collections. These are good songs. They're yep. not. I'm not saying that he's not a good a good rapper. Yeah, uh, it's just you just got you've got to take it to like you said. You got to take it to that next level now. Uh, but you're right. I, he's got a lot of potential, and you know I'm interested to see where he goes moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Like this to me, like at this, uh, he's at the point in his career now where he like definitely has the unsigned hype mentioned in the source. He hasn't dropped the five mic. You know, everyone in the world is gonna is gonna gravitate towards. But it's like, I you know, I'm excited to where he goes next. You mentioned uh, Chun as Chung as well, Daniel. She's really dope working in the same area. I mean, it's it, it it's one of those things where it's like everyone's kind of racing to see who's gonna blow up first. And that's like a nice competitive environment to be in. I mean, I'm I operate more on the producer side. I go to a lot of beatmaker gatherings around here. Shout out the whole Loop Sessions crew. I shout them out regularly because it's a really healthy community. But it's um, you know, I I, I would I, it's in, it's always interesting for me as well to see like what the opinions are on these guys from people that aren't in Montreal because over here there's also like all the scene politics and all that. But it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I could see how from the perspective of someone from out of town, too, it's like, oh, this is interesting. It's definitely not, you know, like the, the, the fully polished final version of it. But yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, my money's on Chung to succeed, by the way. I'm mm. hardcore Chung. Um, so we should talk about Halila's Raven, mm. which has absolutely crept up my favorite projects of the year list mm -hmm. uh, 
it was at, at I put it in the breakdown. I don't know who read my breakdown, uh, but I wrote in my breakdown at first Raven felt kind of cold and distant to me. Um <laughs> it felt it just felt kind of icy and distant. Um and, and it was it's dance music, but it's sad and it's mournful and feels far away. And and over time, it became like a great Christopher Nolan movie. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, this is so sleek and so efficient. Absolutely. And so fucking cool, you know? So I guess for me, I've got two angles that I approached it from. One of them is similar to what you were saying about Craven where you kind of saw both sides, like you knew pe smart people that liked his music and yep. smart people who didn't. I have a homie who shall not be named because I don't want to put him on the spot. That's he fair. really did not like this album at all. For him, yep. it was like, he was like, this is pretentious, but it's not doing that much new. And I just feel like he didn't like her character. Maybe he didn't like the iciness of it. He was like, who's, yep. who's this girl think it is? Like, And then... I really liked it. And it got to the point where I was like, yo, I feel, you know, sometimes you, you disagree with the homie and you're like, I don't really want to change your opinion, but I'm not trying to hear all this slander because I'm fucking with this and it's becoming right. a part of my life on the regular basis. Like I don't have a time to fight about it. Right. But I remember when the album first came out, she dropped that big press release with it that kind of explained what she was doing with the record. And I was like, okay, like, it sounds like she didn't like some of her previous collaborators. It sounded like she really wanted to ground this in her identity as a black woman and an LG, a, per, a queer person and that. And I was I was ready for that. And then I listened to the album. I was like, wow, this is really chill. This did not have, like, I, I was ready for smoke and I got ice instead. But that wasn't a bad thing for me necessarily because I really liked the music. Yeah. And... It ended up being, it's been out for a couple of months now, it ended up soundtracking um, a two-month trip. I was out of town and I went to Bangkok for a while to make music and just kind of get in a different creative space for various projects. And I'm not going to be able to listen to that album without thinking of, like, they have the coolest SkyTrain subway situation. Like, their mass transit is like Tokyo at this point, <laughs> but it's tropical. So listening to this really icy ambient pop dance r&b record about like healing and there's a whole aquatic theme to it with the water yeah um, you know on a trip which for me was quite a lot of healing as well after you know lockdowns and all the bullshit we had here i like i was like i'm finally getting out of here i'm gonna go enjoy my life a little bit um i love it i love it for that aspect of it that personal kind of connection i developed to it and you know while I would agree with the homie that it's, you know, there's nothing here that hasn't been done. I do like how she works the break beats and the ambient textures in. And I do like how she kind of floats above all that with her voice. And it, it really connected with me on that sense of like, I can put this on and chill. Yeah. Whether that was exactly what she wanted me to take out of it. I don't know, but that's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I would, Add to that, Kay, that like what I admire the most about this because it, it it does feel a little bit like listening to Portishead, just in mm -hmm. the sense that 
Portishead was kind of like dance music from an evil post-apocalyptic dimension, right? <laughs> um, and this does feel like whole dead dance music. Um, you said, you said what? What type? Cold dead dance oh, music. Oh, cold dead. Yeah, um, and you can put that on the back of the vinyl. You know, Dano's music on vinyl. Cold dead dance music, but uh, it's and it's it's just startling, like in a way. And 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 so there's, I would add to that and say, there's always intense gravity in going high or low tempo, right? Mm -hmm. High mm -hmm. tempo, like. If you're going fast at anything, people are paying attention, right? Fast flow, fast dance music, you've got people's attention. Whoa, this is fast. If you're going slow, you've added a lot of gravity to it, right? Mm -hmm. like if you look at the, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's album Mosquito, right? Uh, it has two acoustic songs on it. They are probably the most talked about songs of that album because they took away all the noise and that quiet made it so powerful, right? So what I'm trying to say is living in the mid-tempo is hard because it gets boring easy, right? Mm -hmm. And this is mid-tempo dark dance music, mournful mm -hmm. dance music. It's hard to do this well. Oh yeah, you know, it, and it. First of all, it, I, I mean, I loved, I loved this project, and it kind of, you know, for me, it was like a blend of solo Solange and what Beyonce was trying to do. Ooh. And I and I say that, and I say it because you know, you can tell when someone is like a visitor to a genre and i'm not just shouting i'm not just calling out beyonce but drake did the same thing last year you know you can yeah. tell when someone's a visitor and when someone actually lives in that in that genre yep and this really felt this really felt like a dance uh like a dance record to me in a, in a way that i haven't felt like it, it reminds me of like that mid 90s late the mid to late '90s, like dance, dance. Uh, what do I want to call it? I guess like dance trend that was that kind of took over the radio. Yeah, it's got like a lot of like a like the break beats are really like jungle drum and bass kind of. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like I contact, think... like that. I mean, that was my that was one of my favorite songs of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you just haven't heard like you you've heard like big artists uh you know do dance dance type records but they haven't been done as well as, as she did it i would agree with that I, the the beyonce comparison is interesting to me like she kind of tried to like i could see what she was doing she was trying to have that like kind of almost communal on the dance floor like we're all partying with the aunties kind of kind of vibe like it's a party yeah yep. this <laughs> is more like I'm in the club and I'm feeling fucked up off whatever I'm am, and I feel I'm alone in a crowd kind of vibe almost. Like, mm. and I feel Drake kind of tried to get that on his album, but it, that was not a good Drake. I, like, I tried to like I was I was yeah. impressed that he did it, and then immediately yeah. forgot about it because like, oh, these songs aren't really all that good. Like, 
you know, you get an E for effort kind of thing, like to steal his own ball and throw it back at him. But, um, you know, with this one, it was, I, to me, it was interesting because, like, she's on Warp Records, which is this experimental dance music UK bass label. Danny Brown's actually also on it, which doesn't seem to be working as right for him, but whatever, whatever. Um, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, if I, you know, if, if you're putting this vinyl in a record store, It'd be interesting to see where do you put it because, like, the default thing is to put it in the R and B section, but it's not really that. Like, then you're stereotyping her because, like, oh, she's a black female vocalist, so she's got to be R and B. That's not necessarily true. But if you put it in ambient pop, then are you denying that it's a really black record? And she's gone and said that explicitly in her press release. It's like she. What what I ended up landing on for a comparison, my homie who doesn't like it is going to kill me for saying this, but she kind of reminds me of like a modern day. Sade on this record. Ooh, okay. Oh wow. Like, okay. Like that doesn't, you know, and like you know, I, I I can tone that down a little bit where like no one is Sade legend, but I'm saying like that kind of one of one feel where you're getting the soul, but it's also really cold, but they don't cancel each other out. They kind of amplify each other. Um, and I mean, it came out at a point that was like really. Like, like the first quarter of the year was just incredible for like R&B and R&B adjacent related music because this, this album came out in December and that was fire. The Live LIV.E record came out the same day as this Khalila album and that's also really good experimental wow. kind of R&B stuff. Like she's also got a bunch of breakbeats on it, a little more aggressive, like a little more rock energy into it. So it was just like to see all of these like super creative records i was like oh wow and like they all sound really different like uh kind of what we we're saying about black thought it made me happy as a listener it made me like you know thankful as a listener that we were able to get these projects because you know I'm, I'm looking at 10 years ago you probably wouldn't have got them it would have probably like there would have been some a and r that would have said like oh no you can't do this this is not yeah they would have the killed radio. this pet project yeah yeah no like it it, it, it feels like all of them, and this one especially, like they feel very free. They feel like she's doing what she wants to do, how she wants to do it, and you know she's not letting anyone tell her no. You shouldn't do this, or you can't do this, or this isn't going to work. And uh, you know, I, I respect it. No, it, you catch some. To Kay's point, sometimes you catch Beyonce looking at you as a listener and going, "Is this what you like? Is this what you're into? Because I could do that." And whereas this this is an album that takes you over with its personality. Yeah. yeah. Beyonce, I mean, you know, it's to her credits or thing. She belts out songs though. She's yes. like got yes. the big giant, you gotta mix it front and center. Like you can't she can't melt into a song no, no, like Khalila. No. The same way that Khalila doesn't have like Beyonce's pipes and can't yep. belt out the same way everyone's got their own voice. And in R and B, that's even more true than rap i feel like there's a there's like a god-given element to being like a great singer not necessarily being a good singer because you can take classes you can practice there's all these things right but to be like a great singer you have to to figure out what works for you and use like your unique instrument well and some of it is like making the best of your assets right like and i i, I hot take here bob seeger's voice was shit terrible but he used the shit out of his terrible voice, you know? Uh, oh. He took his terrible voice to the bank, you know? Um, 
And so that's that's what the, I would say to the Sade thing. I have a great Sade story to illustrate your comparison. In the Army, one, one of the lovely black women who looked after me, I remember we were in the car. I was like, you should put on some Sade. And she was like, man, I can't listen to Sade when I'm driving. <laughs> I'm trying to get depressed and run off the road and think about heartbreak. Like, uh, and I was like, oh, that's that's, what, that's why smooth operators on the radio all the time. That's like, that's the fun Sade song that says coast to coast is LA to Chicago. Like, right. biggest and geographical. You can't, you can't road trip to Sade. You can't. You you'd be on the side of the road crying. So yeah. it, it's this is one of those records that feels connected to that. It, the the songs are fun, the hooks are good, mm. but it's it's a stark world. Yeah, I mean, this is an album like I, like you know part of it was again it was listening to it when I was in a new environment or a different environment, but it was a really good record to kind of reflect about my own life too. Like I was thinking about what she was singing. But the mood and the vibe and just the the fragments of words that I was catching kind of put me in that headspace where I could meditate on my own situation. And that's you know, that's something to cherish in music. Some people can can do that to you through their records. Other times it's more about what they went through specifically, and it it isn't so much about you. But I, I found that really interesting, like because she was saying that she was really coming from her perspective. But I found it's a really universal record. It's like I'm always impressed when things go maybe a little bit farther than 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 people might have thought, and it's just like I want to I want to hear this at the end of a movie. I want to see this synced at the end of like a gut punch reveal on a TV show's like penultimate episode or whatnot. Like to me, it's just like it opens the imagination, and it's it's not short. Fifteen songs, uh, a number of them over four minutes, right? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them over four minutes. So, like, this is not a short album, uh, but it's it's you don't you don't finish it and go. I really could have done without a lot of that. Like, it feels like it should be there. No, nah, and it's her it's her first thing since twenty seventeen too. So yeah. it's like people her fans were waiting. A long time. I mean, I, I you know, I, I quite liked um, all her previous stuff, but I mostly pay attention to hip hop first and foremost. It's my bread and right. butter. So you can disappear for five years, like, and I won't notice it the same way that if Rock Marciano disappears for five years. Right, right. That's fair. That's but fair. she had. I I remember when that when she announced the album, her fan base went nuts. I've got a lot of dance music fans on my timeline because I DJ grime and all yeah. that, and people were hype and people love the album. Yeah. As they should, yeah. Um, okay, what do you think about runs on this thing? What is your um, okay, let me get the track list out. I thought the the middle section it, it slowed down in the end and got a little bit more introspective, but I thought that that, that middle run, uh, closure. So, no, we'll go from on the go, miss call, closure, and contact. You mean on the run? On the run, yes. On the, on run. the run. Let it go was the one before it. Yeah. On the run. My my run goes two through seven. Happy ending all through contact. Yeah. I, I, I thought sure. contact was was the highlight. That was like the peak. The peak of 
the show, it really reminds me a lot of, you know, uh, House of Balloons when it first came out. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Uh, might be my favorite. In terms of, in terms of just creating, like, it really is like a transporting record. And I thought that they, she did, and this is kind of tying into the whole cohesion thing that I've been talking about all of us. Like, it really feels like a night, like a night out in, in her city, you know, and that she's going through like this, this situation. And so she, they, the, yes, the songs are like very in terms of tempo and, you know, content and what they're about, but the cohesion is in terms of how she sequenced the album. And you could tell there was a lot of, there was an overarching theme connecting all, the whole project together. Definitely. I mean, and, she, you know, it goes back to that idea that she really wanted creative control on this one. Like, I'm sure yeah. every single second has been, like, obsessed over by her and her team to make it, you know, to, to, to achieve that. And, I mean, that's what you get when you, when you wait five years between albums and it's... <laughs> Like, it kind of reminds me, I mean, we, we've mentioned so many names, like Beyonce, Sade, like The Weeknd. It's almost like that Kendrick thing where she can disappear for that long yeah. and come back out with a project, which isn't, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that every artist has an opportunity to do nowadays. It's like, you've got to feed the beast, you've got to make content. I mean, you guys are podcasting, you know it as much as the next man. It's like, I you know, I would love to be able to have that schedule but like i know that that as a as someone creating in my position i can't get to that point yet but it's uh it's an it's admirable yeah and yeah and the the, the thing is i actually went back so I, I listened to this album i listened to it twice back to back i don't usually listen to albums back to back but i listened to it back to back and then i went back to the 2017 project and you can hear you can really hear the growth uh between the two projects Definitely. And even more so, she had the mixtape with Night Slugs in 2013, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they were, at the time, they were like a very popping dance music crew. And it, she was very much singing like, this is a dance music track. She's singing on it. Now it's more like she's got her style, which incorporates dance music. But none of these, tr like some of these tracks can work in a DJ set, don't get me wrong. But they're not mixed and mastered for maximum impact in the club, they right. sound mixed and mastered for maximum emotional impact as part of an album, which is <laughs> clearly what she wanted to do this time. And I mean, from a career point of view, like that's always a smart move because there's always going to be some new singer that's trying to like jump on a rhythm and like get a hot so single to get their thing started. But when you're like an artist near that point in your career, you kind of have to offer us something a little bit more and a little bit more in depth. And, uh, yeah, she, she obviously knocked it out of the park. And I mean, there's a lot of different... I mean, we mentioned the Jungle Breakbeats, which is they're having a moment right now. And she she got like... She sounds particularly good on them. Like she, like Kalila sounds good on them and Pink Panthers. Uh, oh, I don't know Pink if you guys Panthers, are up on yeah. her. She, yeah. Like that's coming at it from a different perspective because Pink Panthers is like... I think she's like a real baby. She's really, really young. And so it's like you're almost listening to your older cousin or your or your parents' music at right. that point, from her point of view. But Kalila's, like, she's smart. Like, this, there's this worldliness to this album, too, like, where you feel like she's been places. Like, she's seen Tokyo, she's seen Berlin, she's seen the UK, she's seen New York, LA, like, 
all these places. It's not like an album that's just rooted in one city. It's like being able to collect these influences and make them your own and come out with something fresh with them is, is, you know, that, you know, that's the job and she nailed it. Yeah. I was, I was looking for the right word to complete my thought and there is Sun Ra to complete it. So the writing style, I got to talk about the writing style for a little bit, right. Uh, of this album. Cause there is a, a worldly concision, a worldly succinctness to it. Right. Uh, Contact. Let's start with contact, okay? Mm. She says, it's 2 a.m. and we made it. Everybody faded, right? There's no wasted space there, you know? Like, if that feels perfect, right? Yeah. 2 a.m. and we made it, you know? And you just know what that means somehow. Um, and then same song, I'll give you a taste if you're good, but you got to wait. Mm-hmm. There's a confidence to that. And it's it's in this hushed tone. And it's 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 very sexy in that sense, right? Like confidence is sexy. So that that really played kind of Janet Jackson style. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good reference should, point too. You should stop talking. We got some things to explore. Closure, right? That that more of that Janet Jackson feeling, right? Yeah, the velvet uh, rope era, Janet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, man, there's some like, there's. I just got addicted to it because there's so. It's so perfect, in the sense of just knowing what to say and when to be done saying. Right, I want to lay out sun on my face. Sorbet, right? Uh, yeah, you'll never wake up. Your silence lasts so long. Ooh. Um, and the what Raven is probably the prettiest for the yeah. writing, you know, through all the labor, a raven is reborn. They try to break her, there's nothing to here to mourn. Yeah, that was that. Like, I mean, the title track that's where kind of the themes that she was bringing up in her interviews around the album, like that one, I was like, okay, now I see this is where you're putting it in, and it's always like. I always like stuff that's a little couched in metaphor. Like that's just as a listener, it's like I tend to like that kind of imagery. And I mean, it's great. It's like I got a I got a homegirl. Her her name's Raven too. So I actually sent her. I just remember so like you should check out you should check out this song, and not just because it's your name because right uh, right right. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I mean it's it, I really liked the writing style because you see, and one of the cool things about R and B is like they can't give you as much as a rap song can give you right it's a it's repeated phrases uh but it has to be the right phrase you know i love al green because he says the right thing over and over again right um and i think Kalila does a hell of a job of that of picking the emotion and then exploring it fully um Oh man, you just you can just sink into this album and never find your way out. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. That's that's my thing on it. Um do you have anything else, Kay, on that? Um, no. Yeah. Raven? Hell of a thing. Um, so well go ahead, Tomo. Last thing I would say about it is like 
the way that they manage to take different genres and fit them in like there's the dan like there's a couple of dance hall rhythms to it that work uh bruises is on like a house beat Ooh. and again it goes back to her not just singing on dance music but being able to kind of combine them into this into the synthetic hole so it's like from a production point of view it's really impressive and i got to imagine that you know, like Warp Records, like her label started out in the early 90s, I'm going to say. They started out putting out just straight up rave music and then they got into more experimental stuff and went from there. And it's interesting to see how what she's doing fits into that legacy. Like the same way that if a rock band comes out on like Rough Trade or like if a, hit, if a rapper comes out on Def Jam, like you kind of have to see them as part of that continuum, even if like you know, Lil Durk on Def Jam doesn't sound like a lick like uh, LL Cool J did in 85. It's still, you know, you still got to see like, okay, he's still a young black man on this label. He's still spitting his truth. The beats are still hard. There is a continuum to it. And I find it's really impressive that Kalela is the sound and the face of Warp in 2023. It, it looks good. You know, it's a good look for Warp. You know, probably even more than it's a good look for Kalela because I feel like she would be killing it regardless right but i do think it's cool that electronic labels that you know especially like warp it's like it did have at, at one point kind of this reputation as like a bunch of nerdy white dudes twiddling knobs in like their basement and making like you know records for other yeah. twiddly white dudes in their basement twiddling knobs so to kind of have it open up a little bit and you know a uk label exploring uh, those connections back to house music in Chicago or Detroit techno because there's, there's a lot of Detroit techno-ish textures in here too but like not directly it's like it's echoes of echoes of echoes of it and uh, yeah I just I, I just think it's cool it's one of those records that like makes me think yeah music's in a good space if stuff like this can come out and <laughs> people are enjoying it as opposed to you know I need a girl part 357 Right, right. I mean, I, I'm glad to have you on here to talk about the album because, you know, you you know considerably more about dance music than I'll ever know. Hey, man, uh, I never listened to the Yaya Yaz album you mentioned earlier, so you know shit that I don't know. Like, trust me. It's, yeah, I mean, but we'll... So what I would say is if there's a very possible... It's very possible that five years from now we will look at Raven by Kalila as a great example of what music in 2023 was that there was an intersection happening between pop music and r&b music and that there was a lot of people like there's a new jesse Ware album that's just a fucking disco album bro yeah just a fun ass disco album like i still need to check that one out <laughs> and so it's it's there's stuff out there where you're like oh shit this is building on the funky, like, soul, uh, dance, like, flavors. All these flavors are mixing, you know? Uh, so this this album feels in the middle, intersecting between dance, R&B, and pop. And it feels, like, snugly right in the center of that target. And it mm -hmm. could be one you could pluck out and say, this is the kind of stuff we were playing around with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. And and that's a hell of a thing to say about a project. Um, I think you just said it. Yeah. The uh we're going to recommendation corner, Kay. Whew. What a time it's been. 
So most of my life, I'm not going to lie to you, has been listening to Young Morpheus. I'm not going <laughs> to code it. He came up with a new album uh, from whence it came. And I've been, I kind of listen to it every day. Uh, it's Young Morpheus is, uh, what I was joking with Zilla Rocca, that he's evil Larry June. <laughs> I um, can see that. That Larry June whispers in a very cool, confident way. But he's like, he feels like a, a friend of yours who's always high, but is, is like saying smart shit too. Uh, Young Morpheus is always whispering, but he sounds like he's scheming. You know? <laughs> he's like, you know, he'll, in a hushed tone, he'll be like, these saltines got you sweating, you know? Um, and he's, you know, you've got, there's some decoding there, and there's some, but, and he's still very cool and very in that Larry June sense, but it is kind of that, he sees the anxiety and frustrations of the world and deals with them quite directly. Um, and he picks great beats, great fucking beats. Um, yeah, and this, this project is just so fucking good. And I, it's his, he's so good that it's hard for me to tell if this is a standout project or if I just really needed some young Morpheus. Um, <laughs> because he. I mean, he's got August Fanon on this, Junie, Raffi, Obliv. Um, I mean, this is a heck of a heck of a group of people. Um, but yeah, I, I I love that. I would also also been listening to what was the other one? Oh, I'm gonna recommend Seasons S Z N Z uh, by Mother Nature and Boathouse. Okay. That came out, I think, a year or two ago. Uh, and I kind of missed the boat on it. I don't think I understood it when it came out. Uh, but I, ah, uh, Boathouse, the Def Sea Boathouse album pulled me back oh, in. Oh, yeah. Boat and the goal, yeah, I was like, huh, I got to get back into this. I listened to it. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. Uh, God, sucks that I missed this. But yeah, and it, it's a really great record. Uh, Mother Nature, awesome. Uh, so I would do that one. Those two, yeah. Definitely. Shout out to everybody who's been. I I posted. You missed. I don't know if you missed on Raw on Twitter. I posted that Ka Superfly single thing. Oh yeah, it was just I like the Ka people know the love for this one. People started quoting lyrics off it and just like. Like man, Ka really does have a congregation at this point. It's kind of cool. Like every, I, that's the difference between having like just like fly by night fans. Like if you're a Ka fan, you're in it for real, and you're just like <laughs> paying attention. Like I say that I go on music like for a vibe. Like when Ka's album comes out, like just play, you know, clear that clear the afternoon. Let me roll up some weed. Let me actually pay attention to what this man has to say because it's always. It's not just clever, it's clever with meaning and, and emotion behind it. And it's tough to combine those two things, because, like, you know, I, I remember the, the Buzz distribution era, the, the post-Rockus era, where everyone had a little 12-inch, and they had, like, incredible, like, stand-up comedy punchline type shit, but they weren't saying nothing. 
And cause like the opposite of that. Like he survived, you know, just so much. And now it's just like, it's just art coming out. Like if Ka had it decoded, it would have to be like volumes, right? It would have to be like volume one. That's how I always say everyone last week was talking about like, oh, AI is replacing rappers there. I was like, hey, I can imitate people. Like a computer would explode trying to process what Ka does originally. Like you'll shut down the entire grid. There's just gonna be like a power outage. Like it just like it can't handle it. Yeah. It can imitate. It can't come up with that lived experience and that that knowledge and that wisdom. They cut to the computer, and the computer is crying. Exactly. <laughs> the computer is like, "I hope you make things right with your sister." Oh my god, you know, um, that's that's awesome. Um, but shout yeah. out on Candy X Men. I just saw a comic, like one of the new comics today. Sons of X was basically about that, like they're mutant killing, like super AI, like finds out that it has a soul and it's just like it can't handle it that's awesome that's spoilers awesome. i'm sorry you know if someone's listening to this don't kill me i'm sorry for this that's spoiler. awesome x-men spoilers we're, we're doing uh <laughs> so, Sunra, what are you bumping what are you what are you listening to uh i'm gonna name i'm gonna skip the ones that i'm sure your fine listenership like is already like super into sure. and i'm gonna go like for hip-hop it's a, the, the big one is JPEG and Danny Brown. That's just like right. that that gave me what the game's missing because I like the slow, drumless, backwoods, Griselda, Craven, Alchemist, whatever. And I like drill, but I want, but like neither of those things is super aggressive. Like drill is, but it's also kind of chill and lay back. Right. And this stuff is like, it's scaring the hose volume one. It's like, I, that is what I spend my time doing. And I just, you know, that may, you know, that blew me away. Like Danny Brown's one of my favorite rappers, period. But I don't think I expected this record from him at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, the RX nephew till I'm dead is still in rotation. Oh my god, what a crazy album! That is brilliant. Um, all right, into in, in terms of stuff that's maybe a little more under the radar. Um, if you like the Kalila album, I would recommend, but want something a little more MC based. Paul St. Hilaire uh, is a, I'm going to, he's he's of Caribbean origin and he lives in Berlin. I didn't want to say what country because I don't want to fuck up where he's from. And he just dropped Tiki Man Volume 1. Tiki Man was his like stage name for a while. And what it is, it's like this deep, dubby, minimal techno with him doing like MC vocals on it. And uh, it's, it's definitely an edible record. I would strongly recommend... Uh, some THC for that one, but definitely interesting. It's not hip hop, but it's hip hop adjacent music, and it's it's interesting. It's got like dance hall elements, but he was always around like Berlin techno, so he was the guy who blend who who blended those two things. And a lot of like what they call dub techno out there, it's got a little too much techno and not enough dub for me. But this is not that. This actually gets the mix just right, where it's not like just like a thumping backbeat to it. Um, also, um, what else do I have here? I was like a big fan of the, um, Thick and Lungs, Another Planet 4. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I know you guys also spoke about that one, so I won't go on it too long, but I had to shout them out because that's talent. And, uh, another, oh, Chris Crack, Battery Operated Simps. I think everyone's got a different favorite Chris Crack album. This is the one that did it for me. I'm super late, and I totally acknowledge that. But this was the one that did it for me personally. Uh, it's just 
I don't know why I didn't get it before this one. Yeah, no, this there's key albums where it opens the whole thing up, up for you. So glad you're there with crack. That's awesome. And uh, last, one, yeah, Chris K. <laughs> glad you're last... really tuned into crack. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. Last one, instrumental record again for kind of more on the Kalila side, but this one even do- closer to what you were saying with Portishead because this one's instrumental. Shackleton and Scotch Rolex, and it's called Death by Tickling. And it doesn't, it, it's just an evil instrumental record with a ton of bass that'll blow out your speakers and possibly give you a panic attack. But I like that shit. I need instrumental records because I, I, I do a lot of reading and I can't, if I got hip hop on, I kind of at least got to pay attention to the lyrics. So let me, uh, let me give you a, an inst, uh, a beat tape then. Oh, yeah. Uh, this fucking guy, I was a little mad, right? So this, let the dirt say amen is this individual's name um put it they put out an uh an album in 2021 called god hates gucci okay really it's an incredible project uh produced it wrapped and dropped another one called amen's corner and i was like oh shit uh i'm back and then it's a it's a it's a beat tape so like ah but uh but the beats are fantastic and there's you know, it's twenty of them. So yeah, I think yeah, I have to. Di- I listened to a few of the four. I was like, "Ooh, he still got it. This is good." So check check, check that out. out. The uh, Paul Saint Hilaire. I gotta put that on the wish list. I'll check that out. Bandcamp day's coming, so I'm gonna take my take my suggestions. Um, okay, what are you uh, what are you rocking out here? Music wise, nothing. I mean. Nothing new. Uh, I mean, just TB. Just I'm Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I like I like the new Dave Dave season. Uh, oh, you're watching Dave still? Oh, wow. That's yeah, cool. I like Dave F- FX, and then obviously Succession. Uh, there was a point with Dave where I had to cut it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Friends locked up and shit, or whatever. I was just like, you know what, man, I can't. Can't fuck with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think this one this one's a little bit more this I think season two was a little bit over the top. This one's a little bit more toned down. Uh getting back to season one roots and I and I and I'm I'm enjoying it. So Dave Dave on FX would be my recommendation. Little Dicky. <laughs> uh, very good stuff. No, it's been great. And shout out to everybody on the the Patreon support, um, and you know, the non-Patreon support is crazy. Um, the listenership keeps getting bigger all the time, and that mm. we're circulating and finding new ears, and that's really cool. Um, mm. and we're very excited. We just announced and just put out the announcement video for our mid-year show is going to have C Money Burns tapping in with us. Um, doing the breakdowns with us of our favorite albums. So, you know, we're going to get to hear C. Money Burns' thoughts on Kalila, which is going to be cool. Oh, um, sure. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Billy Woods and Maps. Um, so, yeah. Good times. Good times. And, oh, uh, shout to the guy who does all the Billy Woods covers, okay, Alexander Richter. Oh, okay. Uh, he- did the church cover? 
originally from Maine. Wow. Oh, okay. I didn't know he... little cooler. Makes me feel a little cooler that he lived in Maine. Um, <laughs> and, is, and is an important, cool person. So that's nice. I want to ch- Just give me a second. I'm surprised he did that. We need all the cool people we can get. We're still oh, okay. You know, um, I just <laughs> I just want to shout out um, the illustrations on that cover. According to his bandcamp, that's Ashes Fifty Seven. That's a homegirl. So I was just checking. I think that Alexander Richter may have done the photos. Okay. Yeah. Or the video. I don't know. He's he's done a bunch of of important. He did the Haram cover. I know that. Okay, no, I'm just talking about maps, the new one, because I know, like, because she's. Oh, okay, no, I was talking. I was talking about church. I was talking about. Church. Oh, okay, that's on. That's on me. That's on me. I'm. Yeah, not maps. Church. I'm getting yeah. faded. My bad. No, <laughs> maps is actually. Have you seen the cover of Maps, K? No. Dude, look up the Billy Woods Maps cover. It is totally different from anything he's ever had as a cover. It is real wild. Speculation, but I think this is going to be the not mi- like I wasn't going to say the happy Billy Woods album, but I think this is going to be his not miserable album, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. Oh yeah, I've heard it's very different. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited. Woods is always going to surprise you, but I I trust oh. him. I want I want to be surprised. You know, you I'm know? staying up past my bedtime tomorrow. Let's put it that way. Do it. Do it. No, Kay, I, I we were talking about earlier, Sunra was talking about like content creation uh, and the pressure for it. And we know because we do podcasts. I had a dream last night where I was I was not allowed to go to sleep. There was I was at a house party and I just kept getting pulled into new rooms with new fascinating people. And I just was not able to go to bed ever. Um, and I was like, I woke up and I was like, Shit, that's a lot like free music info. <laughs> <laughs> those dream, those dreams where you want to go to sleep in the dream but you can't are the most frustrating one. Because then you actually wake up in the morning and you're like, "Yo, I should be rested. I actually slept, but I was stressing out about it the whole time." <laughs> you, w- you wake up, you're like, "Fuck it, I'm calling out. I'm getting a damn nap." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. And uh, yeah, ooh, one of the we, we had a guest on a few a few weeks ago at the end of the pro, of the interview said thank you because I see your name come up and you buy this music mm-hmm. uh, and that meant a lot to me it means a lot to me that that that's what we stand for you know what I mean putting your money where your mouth is shout out to mm-hmm. music buying public. Straight up. Whether whether it's whether it's the albums or whether it's shows or like you know, there's merch. there's a lot of ways to yeah. spread your money around. Yeah, merch. merch. You can do it all, man. Yeah, I got I got my Marcion right now. Support. Support. <laughs> what do you do tomorrow?